you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber with Jim Cramer. We're live from Post 9 at the New York Stock Exchange. Carl is on assignment. Let's give you a look at futures. You just heard Becky say it, so you really don't need to hear me say it again. So I won't. Just look. All right, let's get to our roadmap this morning. It starts with the Fed's preferred inflation gauge. January core PCE in line over uh, year over year, up 2.8%. On the tech front, you know, we got Salesforce out with a beat in terms of its quarterly results. Stock's not doing much. You know, revenue forecast certainly concerning. We'll talk to Jim, obviously, a lot about that. And we'll talk a lot about Snowflake. That stock is down dramatically this morning, both on guidance and the news that its CEO, Frank Slootman, will be retiring. Suboptimal. Yeah, suboptimal. All right, let's start with uh, the inflation data, sort of get that out of the way before we move on to a couple of those big stock stories this morning. What's your take on this PCE number? Okay, look, an inline is is cool. That's the way I look at it. I think that there were a lot of people who thought, after the CPI, this one could be bad, too. And you, when you look at the progression of the S&P futures, David, it really is incredible how negative people are underneath. I mean, when, when Frank was on, Frank Holland this morning, he saw the futures just sinking as if the, it was a foregone conclusion that the number would be too high. Mm-hmm. We keep seeing that, which is, I think, one of the puts underneath the market. Is the actual negativity of the futures in the morning? Interesting. And, of course, to your point, there is that move up in the futures again, and we'll see. Oftentimes, it's a few we trade away trade. whatever we right. were doing in the futures market very quickly when the market opens. But you see that big move up. Right. It's uh, the stigma of this market. There's a belief that it all has to end. I mean, that, that this whole NVIDIA-fueled rally, if you want to call it that, we'll talk about it most of the day, is really just about... People saying, oh, yeah, AI, I don't believe it. And by 935, they're like temporary believers. How about that? They borrow the belief. They're they're renters of bullishness. They're bull renters. Bull renters. Well, come on. Come on, that was good. I just thought of it. I liked it, but... We've also had a significant rally overall in the market. Right. And and even this year now in in broader broader market... The S and that was something that Frank showed around 505. He said, if you look at the now the S and P the weighted as opposed to the one that gives all the pressure on the second, the equal the seven, weighted. You it's mean. now the equal weighted is yeah. now good. Yeah. And I thought that was a very. I'm glad you saw that because what that said is, stop it with the Mag Seven, and which is Mag Six, which is Mag Five, and focus on the fact that Sherwin Williams hit a high. I thought when we did that this morning, I said yes. Let's just go back to the idea that there are individual companies like Home Depot that reported, forget all this stuff about how their forecast wasn't good. Got to get away from beat and raise. This was the first quarter I've decided to rebel against the terminology that the street uses. Right. 
Uh, I mean, year to date, again, this, the MAG 7 is, as you see there, up 13%. Really, it's not 7, though. No one's complained about it's, Apple. It's 903, no, it is, and it no one said that Apple's largely lost by, its by gains in NVIDIA. I, I want to talk more about Apple uh, as we go along. Two interesting stories. Apple and also Alphabet, which we've been talking right. about as well, which I find fascinating and right course, now. And Comores, I think you have to focus on for a second. Comores, really? Comores. Oh, Comores. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, no, Comores I, I thought, is okay. I, of course, I thought, I thought you were talking right. Anheuser-Busch, you know, yeah. InBev was good. No, I'm just, we'll get to that. But when you see something like right. Comores, you forget what's going but, on. It's a chemical company where the, where the CEO, the CFO, and the comptroller are, are suddenly on leave. Mm. Makes Snowflake look real good. Yeah, well, let's talk about Snowflake and, yes. uh, and uh, uh, Salesforce as well, of course. Sure. But, by the way, both of uh, which their CEOs were guests on, on Mad Money last night. We had three CEOs last night. On two were from one company. Let's so. start with this because this is the biggest loser. It, you know, um, it's twofold. It's Slootman yes. unexpectedly, perhaps, even well, though he's, he's he, a man he, in his mid-60s. Stepping away. Let me just finish and sure, tell I'm people sorry, what the I'm news sorry. is. And then, Jim, it is the, it's the guidance as well, right. the shortfall, a sharp decline in fiscal Q1 year-over-year. And then revenue, 8%, but the shortfall really about the guidance in fiscal year 25. Yes. Now, uh, let's understand that Slootman took the company to more than $2 billion. He has told me on occasion that $2 billion is his magic number to go, which was the case of ServiceNow. If you bought ServiceNow when he left, it was a 67 and suddenly going, of course, this is the 700s. Uh, he has also criticized me when I've talked, tried to pin him down on the guidance. I said, you've given weak guidance in, my pre- in his previous. And he said and he goes, the forecast is the yeah. forecast. And he reiterated last night to me offline, don't forget the guidance is the guidance. Which, well, what is, all right. Which well, is that does, regard to circular reasoning. It's not particularly helpful because that was, uh, you know, oh, you want to take 22% revenue growth guide is not anywhere near what the market was no. looking no, for for a company a in that investors were, were paying as much as 18 times sales for very recently uh, when it was yes, at 230. Actually, 20. So, and okay. um, it, they have this model called Iceberg that they're switching to, which is a cheaper option, which allows, which causes guidance shortfall. So, in other words, it's actually changing the model. And what I thought was interesting is they you never call. A memo to Snowflake, never call anything iceberg because then its project hit iceberg. And that's Titanic, the way I felt right. last night. Now, just before we go up, we have to go to Ramaswamy. Uh, Sridhar Ramaswamy, Ramaswamy has come in. He did do great at Google. He went took a Google ad from $1.5 billion to $100 billion. We like that. But, David, yes. I don't know whether he's... Oriented towards sales, which is what Slootman is. He's a great salesperson for the company, or if he's not more of a data scientist. And you need sales. Right. Um, you had both Ramaswamy and Slootman on. Yeah. Uh, let's listen to what maybe, they had maybe, to say when you talked about this transition this. from Slootman to Ramaswamy as CEO. I mean, I don't want to be one of those quarterbacks who doesn't know how to get off the field. You know, I'm uh, making room for a bigger and greater talent. Well, Frank is still going to be chairman on our board, and yes. I'll be talking to him regularly. He's uh, he's still a big fan of the company and all of us. Um, and uh, we are all truly, truly grateful for what he has made Snowflake to be. It is unexpected. Let's not It's unexpected. Around. I mean, in, in the summer, know. he thought he was telling people that summer, don't worry, he, he's sticking around. He's a, he's a giant, okay? And everyone knows he's a giant. His book, by the way, co-written by him, is, is extraordinary about the about what's going to happen with data, very prescient. Uh, but, David, you know, in the end, you can't have both a revenue guidance shortfall and a, an unexpected CEO departure of the CEO of a magnitude of Slubin and not expect this exact decline. 
All right, it's but, a correct well, read. But what is behind it? Again, it's slowing well, growth. Some it's people not say as though the he's company exercised all his options. He's been there no, for no, more no, than no, four no, years. No, not that. What's behind the slowing? What's behind the guidance mind. being below okay. what many had anticipated? Given what has been a very strong growth rate, which has, of course, brought a multiple to revenues, 18 or 20 times, whatever you want to call it, that obviously is quite high, but was justified by that growth rate, no longer is. What's going on? Okay, the consumption model that they have is a good model. That's why you rent the cloud. That way you can find out whether you really want to invest. In a very short amount of time. They obviously want longer time, but yes. But David, they got they were growing in the 30s, which is why people were willing to pay that 18 to 20 times sales. And now, now they're, they're not. growing in the 20s. Well, my question again is why? Weakness Do we know? Do you know why? Okay, it's the demand weakness. Okay. It's demand weakness. Yeah, it's demand weakness. All right. Well, that doesn't sound That's good why to me. You're trading down. Well, the trading down to a cheaper. Product. No, it, David, that, look, it, David, that's not plus 46. It's minus 46. I understand. I'm just trying so to understand. So it's two I'm going to say it's 23. Does the demand point. weakness come from their inability to make sales somehow? No, is it, model, is yes, it, you could argue that it's inability. To, you know, that there's a slowdown among uh, – there's a slowdown, seasonal slowdown in demand, okay? They called it seasonal. I did not expect that this was a season that would uh, produce a slowdown. Okay. Plus, don't forget, we have an extra day. We have an extra day in this. Which is today. Yes, it is. Today is leap day. No, okay, 23 points of this was Slootman leaving. I don't want to be joking about this. There's a lot of people on this stock. It's a great growth stock. 23 points of Slootman uh, leaving, and 23 points, I think, were uh, the change in the model to a product that is that, where the margins aren't as good. So what happens now? How long, how long are these guys in the so-called penalty box? How long is it going to be until... Or if well, we see a rebound in these I'll, shares, you've had to get some sense well, that the growth rate's going to be above 22% for that next year. Let me give you the bull, bull case is Okta, which is if you want to hit, hit up OKTA, that's an identity company that was hacked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They were a cybersecurity the, company that was successfully hacked by bad guys. And this was the quarter where people chose to forget about it. Now, if you zoom in on that decline, you can see that Things came back rather fast, and Todd McKinnon, one of my absolute favorite CEOs, actually was talking about how he didn't say this in so many words, but they used their own hack to be able to tell a better story about how what's what they can stop. Right, Okta obviously a strong performer. Yes. Yeah, so I know I would like to see a longer. Yeah, chart. I know you asked for it. But, but. Okay, so look, I'm going to give you one just based on that because that's up 20. Just go by Zscaler. Okay, they're the companion company. Yeah. And Zscalers does identity too, and that stock will be up very nicely today. So that's my gift to you, David. Okay. I guess that's the one year, of course. It doesn't. But you, know, you can't see the right well, thing. You no, know, like and it doesn't up. tell you that it's a year. Oh, it says it there. I don't know. All right, we well, see the drop I, I, when I they up. were hacked. And then I give up. The fact that people forgot about the hack so quickly. Yeah. But I don't know. In this case, Slootman. Yeah. I, I'm right, going to tell you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to move on. No, we got to move I'm on. I'm saying the good news. If you yeah, have an optimal like comeback, then that would, Snowflake uh, would make up. But uh, I think that Ramaswamy is not the kin whom I like very much. All right, let's talk. My daughter wanted to replace McKinnon, and then she was willing to be a COO. We've got only a couple of minutes because we've got to get a break, then we're getting to fill the bogeys in Chile. No, we're not busting breaks. Talk to me about about revenue or something for the first time in your life? Believe me. Mr. Revenue. It's not a pretty picture on that front either. What's your forecast? What's your forecast? Nobody's raising revenue for a linear cable network, my friend. No, No. that's that's paragliding. That's paragliding. Nobody. That's not happening. Do you think it's paragliding? 
I like that. All right, we'll get to Paramount later. Let's talk uh, Salesforce. Now, thank you, because this is one of those incredible stories where Mark Benioff comes on red, red hot, as you'll see when we play the clip. Yes. And then his COO comes on and says, eh, it's just okay. I'm going to take Mark's view as the CEO as uh, more important than the COOs. COOs talking about, like, maybe we have green shoots. Mark says it's 180 degrees from when it was not good. All right, let's, let, let's Mark listen. Is the most, he's, he's let's let's listen to Benioff's uh, view on the quarter. The stock is right to be up. We just finished up a year at almost $35 billion in revenue, and now we see us moving forward as the third largest software company in the world, delivering tremendous amounts of customer success. And Jim, it's really about, exactly like you said, customers giving them what they need right now and that is the ability to manage this huge amounts of data that they need to deliver high quality artificial intelligence. I have this one cold, man. I don't, I don't know what you're doing. No, I have, I'm getting All my, right. I'm getting my, well, my okay, so. Just, and not what? everybody's a believer. I mean, Bernstein is not particularly well, cut positive. cut me a break, Bernstein, when you get on board. The free cash flow here was updated. That's the real number, it's up 27%. The, the fact that he got stock, you know, everyone's worried about this stock being given out stock-based comp. Yes, he's yes. cutting that down and put a dividend in, just like just like Mark Zuckerberg did. The gold is the data in this case. Uh, in other words, he actually referenced Jensen. Of course, if you re- don't reference Jensen, get the hell out of the room, okay? But I thought that what Mark was saying was the data cloud is going at a level that I can't believe with higher margins. This quarter was exceptional, and I think they that continue that to seven be on trillion the- uh, Seven trillion records this quarter in just the data cloud alone. Unbelievable right. AI um, transformation. The margins continue to be strong, is, right. is what you're saying. I love and margins. And listen, it's the same thesis, frankly, that um, you know Jeff Smith had some time back uh, when he was the first of the activists to get in there. Yes. Um, pressuring the company. This was the fall of 23. Mark embraced the activists as they'd never been embraced. Uh, and, the mar- and, well, and he continues to talk about things such as, um, you know, when he tweets, he talks about revenue and margin trajectory in a way that he perhaps hadn't in, uh, as much in the past. Exactly. Um, Great. So you've got a situation. sticky business with pricing power and margins that continue to improve. That said, Bernstein, for its part, and I know you, you, you discount this to a certain extent, says, you know, they just said the, the overall roughly 10% subscription revenue growth, total revenue growth, 200 basis point margin improvement, a bit lower than they'd expected. That's just, well, I don't know what they were doing because they were obviously using a number that they wanted the company to fail. I'm tired of that from Wall Street. And David, I got to tell you, when you listen to Mark, what he's saying is there was a tremendous decline in interest post-COVID. And now it's all the way back and then some because of AI. And that's why we're going to have to continue to talk about AI, because he is the first time I've heard from any executive empirically business has improved since AI, empirically, which is almost no one's. Everyone else is just saying, I don't think there's any risk of us not talking about AI. All right. We got to uh, take a quick break here. When we come back, China's auto revolution is coming to South America. And what if Phil LeBeau is on the ground. He's in Chile. Phil. David, I am surrounded by Chinese-made cars and SUVs. This is from Great Wall. It is the Habal. We'll talk about that after the break. There's no shortage of Chinese vehicles for sale here in Chile, where one out of every three new vehicles sold comes from China. And when we come back, wait until I tell you the price of this DFSK SUV. You will be surprised beyond belief. That's coming up after the break. 
electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. China has become the world's largest auto exporter, and it is just starting to ship electric vehicles, causing some concern to the likes of Elon Musk and Tesla and a number of other car makers. Phil LeBeau covers all things cars around the world. He's in Chile to explain why that country and others are reluctant to restrict imports from China. Phil. David, they love the pricing. That's the main reason why you don't see restrictions, whether it's an electric vehicle or more commonly the internal combustion engine vehicles. Remember, 71% of what China exports, and here are the three largest auto exporters in the world. You see China surpassing Japan. There's Germany at number three. It's the price of the vehicles coming out of China because of the size and the scale and the cost efficiencies or what you would say the cost advantages that they have. I want to show you some of those cost advantages. We are at an auto mall, truly an auto mall, where every brand, even like GM and Ford are here, Toyota, Hyundai, and a ton of the Chinese automakers. This SUV is from DFSK, which is a subsidiary of Dongfeng. Take a guess at how much it costs, guys. $9,200 equivalent U.S. dollars. $9,200 equivalent U.S. dollars. Here's another example that you'll say, well, it's easy to see why somebody in Chile would buy a Chinese vehicle versus a traditional automaker that we see in the United States. Compare the price of a Havel Julian, which is a base model crossover utility vehicle, with the Toyota Corolla Cross. It's a $6,000 difference in the base price there. And when we talk with buyers here at this auto mall, almost all of them say the same thing. The quality is good and the price is right. Because of the performance, and it's very cheap in comparison to other brands. So that's why I prefer this Chinese brand. So you would buy Chinese again? Yes, yes. I definitely prefer a Chinese car. I've traveled 500 kilometers, a lot of traveling, and it's very safe. As you take a look at shares of BYD versus Tesla, and I know BYD is really the one Chinese automaker we talk about the most. Remember, Tesla still outsold BYD in terms of pure electric vehicles last year. Tesla selling 1.8 million, BYD selling 1.6, though this year it is expected that BYD is likely to pass Tesla in terms of sales. By the way, they've just begun selling both Teslas and BYDs down here in Chile. And while this is not the largest market, guys, what we're seeing in Chile we're seeing in Australia, we're seeing in Israel, we're seeing in countries around the world. They're not the largest auto markets, but they are markets where the Chinese, because they continue to build and they need to use their capacity instead of shutting down assembly lines, they are exporting. And what you're seeing is more and more people saying, I like what I see, and I'm going to buy it. Guys, back to you. Yeah, Phil, it's fascinating. So glad you're there to sort of bring it to, on the ground uh, to our viewers here. I mean, what is the possibility 
of the Chinese getting closer and closer to our market. Mexico obviously comes to mind and or even building facilities in yep. Mexico. So there might be an opportunity to, to import into the U.S. You, that's the key, David. They, within the next five or six years, you will see several automakers likely begin final assembly in Mexico. Why is that important? Right now, if you build a vehicle in China and export it to the United States, there's a 25% tariff. If you were to build in Mexico because of NAFTA, you could bring it in under the NAFTA guidelines. Even if you set a 2.5% tariff, it basically eliminates that tariff. And because of the cost advantages that China has in terms of its scale, the concern is they can come in with entry-level vehicles like this SUV. And I know people will say Americans won't buy Chinese. You know what? You ask somebody, do you want to pay $9,000 for a v, uh, an SUV or do you want to pay nineteen or 20000 for an SUV? No contest. And that's what we found with everybody we've talked to down here. Brand loyalty goes out the window when you have that kind of a price advantage. Phil, this report is unbelievable by you. And I want to point out that uh, if I had to buy a Volvo here, many Americans would not know that's Chinese. So let's put yourself in the shoes of the president. You want to get the CPI down, but you're the union president. You, this would smash the union. We would buy Volvos because we wouldn't know the difference. This is a horrendous situation for someone who's trying to help the unions, isn't it? Uh, it's going to be tough for them to figure out what they can do aside from trade restrictions. We heard Senator Josh Hawley out of Missouri say yesterday there need to be trade restrictions put in place if Chinese vehicles are built in Mexico. We're going to hear more and more about this in the years to come because you're not going to be able to bring down the prices much more than what we already see. And yes, there are efficiencies and a few other things that the big three are working on, as well as foreign automakers building in the U.S. But David, the bottom line is this. Our cost cannot come down as much as the Chinese are enjoying right now as far as a cost advantage. Yeah, uh, which has been the case in so many different industries, and certainly it's going to be a struggle. Um, Phil, thank you. Obviously, uh, we're going to hear from Phil throughout the day. Uh, great reporting from Chile. We're going to take a quick break here. Don't go anywhere. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. All right, let's squeeze in a very quick mad dash. We've got an opening bell. Well, the question is, David, the Boeing Justice Department is looking into it to see whether they violated the deferred prosecution agreement of a couple of years ago. Uh, and they had a big settlement. It was meant to be that there was going to be a compliance. And the question is, have they deceived the regulators? So, David, that is criminal. That is not civil. What I think is most interesting, the Justice Department looking into it, we always want to see where. The answer is, it's the Seattle office. That's where they make the plan. And that's trouble. 
clue. Did someone deceive the FAA in the actual manufacturing of the plane? Yep. Uh, Boeing will be uh, one of the names we keep an eye on. You can see the real-time exchange back at our headquarters. A lot more green on there. And that's futures. a PCA, which we should get. Not that's a surprise. Bingo. Here at the uh, big board doing the honors reign here at the Timberland Real Estate Investment Trust celebrating yes. its Investor Day over at the NASDAQ St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Oh, doing that's great. the honors. That's great. All right, number of earnings we haven't got to. I don't know if you want to start Best Buy, HP. Well, um, look, Best Buy is a case where you just basically can say, you know what, not not as bad as we thought. Uh, I still think that Best Buy is much better run than it used to be. Uh, the big appliances aren't selling well, okay? So let's we know that from the Whirlpool conference, the full-day conference. But, David, I see PC green shoot. And I think we have to talk about that because it also says that don't give up entirely on HP and buy AMD, which is the winner if you think that there's green shoots for the PC. So All right, my read through Best Buy is to buy AMD. And, well, that gets us to HP, though, yeah. as well. Well, uh, H- And we're waiting on Dell. HP is every... All the, see, HP and Dell are going to be the most difficult part of the market because Michael Dell's going to put a very good quarter and say there's a lot of good consumer spending and corporate, mostly corporate Dell. Yep. Uh, and HP thinks that the corporate is weak and the printer market is disastrous. And by the way, the printers, they're talking about Japanese competition, kind of like what we used to hear. The old Japanese the, competition the old from like the Japan. late 80s. Exactly right. We don't talk enough about Japan, obviously, because Japan is in a, is an ascendant stage. I think because, as I said yesterday, so much money is coming out of China, which is regarded as being worldwide negative actors. The Japanese stock market, as we have noted, of course, has hit new highs. The first time it's done that since the late 80s, yeah. I think it was 89. Or, um, that said, they have a demographic issue in, in Japan that no is doubt. nothing short of disastrous. True, but, uh, but except for China's may be even more disastrous. Perhaps, but they're so much larger. I mean, right. Japan's population declined, I think it was, was it 5% last mm-hmm. year? I know that our, our I mean, country is concerned about immigration, but uh, you do need demographic growth in order to sustain a growth economy. Yes. The $36 trillion treasury market, huge debt. We can only grow out our way out of it. We can't no, we tax need, our way out of it. We need, we need as much re- economic growth and therefore yes. higher revenues in and which, without it, I mean, with which to tax. The Japanese the way, uh, do not have significant immigration. So, no, I mean, they don't. You know, no, longer they, term. They've never led immigration. No. They've been anti-immigration for, since time memorial. But I think, David, it's important to point out that the growth in Bitcoin, I think, is directly related to the deficit and a belief that the dollar isn't you know, dollars backed up by the full faith and credit of a a country that is so indebted that I'll just keep Bitcoin as a part of a diversity strategy. Yep. That's why I think it goes Uh, That gives you a sense as to what uh, has happened in Japan over the last 44 years. Oh, David, did you see that peak on the left side? That's a long time. That's when they bought Rockefeller Center. I remember it well. I was a reporter covering banking when in the late 80s when uh, Sumitomo, Mitsubishi, Long-Term Credit Bank, I can, Mitsui, they were all huge competitors to our wow. then money center banks, all of which basically are now one bank called J.P. Morgan Chase. Yes. Um, that was a period where Intel was challenged by many different Japanese semiconductor companies, right. and we were all concerned about Japanese uh, machinery, yes. crushing Caterpillar. No, I mean... kind of shows. We kind of pull through, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, the country is a little greater than... Are we going to be able to pull through against these Chinese automakers, though? Well, that is going to be a question about... I continue to come back to Volvo, because Volvo is the way to get it in. That's the back door. That's what the big 
auto companies to try but to most As you point out, it's a Chinese company, it's Greeley, right? So why yes. why is that any different? I don't Well, because enough of do, it do they have a, use, they can make enough of it here that it would be I see. regarded as an American car. I That's see. the back door. That um, Chile report is I frank find frightening because what that says is is that you could have an unbelievably great CPI, but what would you do with Detroit right. in that scenario? It, you know, and again, what's interesting from Phil, and you, you hear it a lot, is the quality of the vehicles has improved markedly. Yes. The Chinese EVs I'm talking about have has improved markedly over the last number of years. Right. So well, it's not just price, but it's also that there's almost an equivalency in terms of quality. Well, this is what happened with Toyota. Remember Toyota? And then they came over with the Lexus, and people were shocked. And it's going to sound strange now, but if you were older, the Lexus came in and beat Mercedes-Benz and BMW in quality. Yeah. And that next thing you know, Toyota became the most successful auto company in the nice. world. And that chart tells you everything you need to know about these. Well, what could happen to China. I had a Lexus. It was a piece of crap. I, I, I think you're an outlier. <laughs> David, we haven't talked about Paramount yet. And I think it's no, would, would you like me to? Well, yeah, because cop, fire, hospital. It's all yours. Yeah. Um, uh, Paramount shares are up. We focus on it perhaps a lot more than we should. Uh, stock's still down 20% for the year. We're talking a very small company, of course, $7.6 billion market cap. Uh, but the stock is up. Uh, really, I mean, it ends up being, listen, they stop spending money. And that oh, always that helps. The strike that certainly, certainly helps when uh, when you can uh, to put up 558 million of net operating cash flow and 443 million of free cash in the fourth quarter. Um, and they are talking, obviously, very positively in terms of their ability to get their direct-to-consumer offering in the form of Paramount Plus to profitability, having sustained the peak in losses much earlier than they said they would. Um, Backish was on the call. We talked last time I talked to him was right before the Super Bowl. The advertising market remains a real question mark, and not just for Paramount, but for some others, uh, at least in in that sort of uh, linear business. Take a listen. The ad market was challenging in '23, and still isn't exactly where we want it to be. But we're encouraged by some signs of stabilization, including healthy scatter premiums. At the market level. Many people are talking about increased supply and competition in the digital ad space. But what's not being discussed enough is the opportunity to grow the demand side of the equation, which is a big focus of ours. Um, you know, still to come for Paramount is a big renegotiation with Charter, one of the big distributors. Yeah. Remember, of course, the Charter-Disney dispute that took place last fall, what was it, last September, uh, where, which we covered quite closely. Um, how is Charter going to treat Paramount? What are they going to be able to do in terms of the carriage for their networks? A key question uh, as you take a look at Charter shares. Um, and then, of course, the continued at least conversation around change in control, right. uh, which namely is focused on Redbird and David Ellison and this potential bid for NAI, the control shareholder in Paramount, but it would not offer a significant or even anything conceivably to be common um, and would involve a plan in which ultimately you had to raise a lot of money, so you'd have to actually sell and subscribe to a lot of common stock at a certain price to raise as much as what I believe would be $3 billion uh, under that plan. 
Shari yeah, Redstone. $11 is, is chimerical. Uh, well, it would be quite potentially diluted. They might price it at a higher place, and, and, and Redbird and other investors would step up for it. You would also, under this plan, merge uh, Skydance, which David Ellison controls, the studio he controls, it's had great success, into Paramount. But you need a special committee vote of the board of directors of Paramount. Would you get it if you're not offering anything for the public shareholders? So I guess all of which is to say that seems to be the main, if perhaps only, deal on, potentially on the table. It's moving slowly. Um, well, David, don't do you think don't that, expect that, any anything to come to fruition in the near term this there. Is, this is a fraught situation then. Uh, the direct-to-consumer, we were talking about the losses shrinking, but the size of the losses is so big versus the balance sheet. Yeah, listen, direct-to-consumer continues to be the key question mark, not just for Paramount, but for Warner Brothers Discovery and its Max product, for Disney and Disney Plus in terms of can it really get to those double-digit returns that Bob Iger is now promising, and of course for our parent company, Comcast, which continues to spend without getting, obviously, generating significant returns as yet, and certainly nowhere near profitability for Peacock. So we're going to see consolidation in some form or other over the next year or two, but it gets very complicated uh, in part because of the regulatory aspect of it as well in terms of how it's actually going to happen. It's it needs to happen. Again, parent company or network, which has a very low PE, arguably an 11 PE, Comcast, uh, it goes up on Paramount's direct-to-consumer numbers. Now, yeah. This is a kind of a straight... Comcast is a broadband company. It is. Broadband is the key product. And so is and so is and charter. Technology. Right. Wireless is, is plays a more important role for both those companies as well than it did previously. But there are challenges as well to average revenue per user. We saw that with Charter, of course, which is down sharply this year, not growing subscribers at a pace that anyone would certainly hope for. And the challenge from fixed wireless that I've talked about yeah, a lot, Jim, which has, has sustained its challenge end. perhaps longer than many had anticipated given the capacity constraints. But that's got to run um, down in order for those stocks to move. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, David, people uh, were thinking. Yeah, I'm let's, sorry, I'm let's sorry. no, let's get back to big tech. I'd love to get your thoughts. You know, Apple yesterday, sort of the turnaround a bit, the annual meeting, the continued discussion of what is to come when it comes to generative AI, right. and the hopes, I guess, of those who were long the stock in terms of what that's going to mean for Apple. Let's call it in the second half of this year. Right now, I was talking about Apple, and of course, I say own it, don't trade it. I've said that for ten years, actually twelve. Uh, I, what I w- worry about are, are people who always who sell it during a lull while the company is working on something that then turns out to be pretty good, or we get a little bit of uptick in China, which we have definitely not had, according to HP, just as recently as last night. But I, I, I know this is going to sound strange, but there are companies where you really can't find out what they're doing. And Apple's the one, no one, is, it's a fight club situation. No one's allowed to talk to me about Apple. I mean, when, they, when the sports app, which I've wanted for a long time, came out, it came out, you know, I didn't yeah. know they were working on it. I said, when are you guys going to develop a great, quick sports app? And the answer was, well, Jim, check your cell phone this morning. In the meantime, they do so much artificial intelligence on music, and no one talks about that. I mean, why don't you go to your phone and look at, don't look at Jim's music, because that's my music, uh, or look at the personalization of photos that they've got right now for what happened that day in your life. That's so much AI. But you know what? Yeah. Tim Cook does not just say, he doesn't come on and say, have you seen our AI? Because he's not a combative individual. No, but the, the bull case, so to speak, is that you will get 
a significant advance in terms of generative AI being made a part of the, the 16. Of the, phone, the edge. Uh, and at the edge. Right. Um, and creating, frankly, a, an entirely new ecosystem on the App Store That's as correct. well. Correct. And you got a billion people, it's some sort of subscription product, add-on subscription product for it. And it could change a lot. Right, because then you start thinking that's how the, you get that price earnings multiple that it has, which used to be at 16, and it leapfrogged over the gold standard of consumer products, which is Procter. Right, and it's it's it, to be fair, its multiple is fairly high for a company yes. that has not had a significant growth rate for some time. That's true, but when you talk to Tim Cook, who is just an unbelievable person to talk to about bigger things, don't want to be pigeonholed to thinking the four uh, walls of the spreadsheet, he would tell you, remind you, Jim, you know, say, Jim, it's not a consumer company, please. It's a technology company that happens to have, to have the satisfac- highest satisfaction rate for a billion people who pay us on revenue. And I was looking, you know, last night I paid them $35 at 3 a.m. I mean, you know, I don't know. I paid it to them. Came out and just like, oh, I paid them $35. And, you know, not to be too glib about it, but you take something like uh, when I saw Tim Cook unveil at, at the old GM building, yep. uh, the uh, Vision Pro. He said, look, this is it. This is going to be the next big thing. And you look at the Vision Pro and you realize what you're seeing is not a mock-up of a product, but something that is going to be the beginning of the way you watch sports, of the way you watch movies. And I believe in it. Now, those people who say, Jim, it's a $3,500 product, forget about that. No, that's that's a work in progress to get people to think about what to do with it. All I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is they reinvent themselves because they're a tech company. This is not tied. New and improved tide, which I doubt really looks new and improved. Uh, it is Apple, and there will be a new and when, improved. When does the stock? When does the stock conceivably start to move on the real prospect of something coming? Do you have to wait until you see what the product you is? Do. Because well, let's say you speak to the component companies. Like I have good relationships with component companies, so I'll say, "Oh, how's Samsung? Oh, how's Apple?" Excuse me, I just mentioned Apple. They, right. Yeah. They are all it's under like, a cone of silence. Yeah, and so it's very hard to get a read. That's why I always dismiss all these little stories about they changed uh, suppliers, so therefore it must be doing badly, because the suppliers just get the order. They don't know, and then they change suppliers. There's a lull in product right now. They would tell you that. They're not, you know, remember, they guided to this quarter not being as good as we, as we would have hoped. But the service revenue is going to cross the combination of, the, of everything, of every device, everything other than the phone. It will be bigger than all of those. And that's the hope. They don't want to talk about that as being the hope. That's me. And then what they want to talk about is the Philippines. They want to talk about Indonesia, talk about Brazil. And then you Google them, you add them up. And sure enough, they're equal to China. But no one thinks like that. Right. You realize, people don't realize when you turn in your phone, it goes to Brazil. It, it goes to these countries and the phone's pretty good. Yeah. And then you take the service product and that's how the revenues go up. Well, between now and when is it June, when the, we may hear something, yeah. we're going to be talking a lot about what may be coming what, in terms of but, generative right. AI addition to the iPhone. But we're not going to we're not going to know. Maybe there'll be some stories along the way. We got a report, good report yesterday, uh, Bank of America Merrill saying that uh, uh, from Moms, who's terrific, that that China, uh, the na- that the, the brand recognition and love has come back. But David, China remains the biggest black hole in the world right now. We have no idea what's happening. And it's a little difficult because so many companies really depend on China still. They do. Well, Eunice, you, you know, had a very interesting report yesterday. 
touring just completely empty cities, essentially. Right. Right. Uh, amazing. They need um, capital coming in from around the world, and they're not getting it. And President Trump and President Biden aren't giving it to them. Both presidents really want to starve China. Yeah. Watch the semiconductor capital equipment companies, because that's where the intellectual property is in the country. Watch LAM. Watch applied materials. That's People don't understand. Those are where the intellectual property is. Uh, let's get to uh, Rick Santelli. We have some more economic data for the markets to digest. Chicago PMI, Rick, right? Yes, Chicago PMI, and it's a February read, David, and we're expecting a number around 48, a miss here, 44.0. Happens to be the weakest level since July of 23, and a little noteworthy here is this is the 18th month where we've only had one reading over 50, and that was in November of last year. 18 months with only one read above uh, the expansion contraction line of 50. Now, we had important data out this morning, and if you look at the intraday chart, the initial response in yields and tens, it went from 430 to around 427. But it's simmered a bit, yields moving much lower now. As you look at two-day chart, we're below yesterday's low yields. It certainly seems, though, the data coming out mostly as expected over time seems to have a more soothing effect on interest rates and potentially isn't a negative for the Fed. Squawk on the Street will return after a short break. Tonight, don't miss it. We have a new documentary, Big Shot, The Ozempic Revolution, providing an in-depth look at how a diabetes drug reinvented weight loss culture and monetized skinny in America. That's 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. Up next, we got Stop Trading with Jim. All right, let's get to it. What do you got for stop okay, trading? Okay, so before you sell HP, which is HPQ, I wish they'd change that because it's HP, HPQ. But this is the, the HP and is the, HPQ. This is the company that is, you think, is your laptop. Next week, 15 minutes. 15 minutes might be all it takes. Jensen speaking at their Vegas conference. Say that again. Jensen, Jensen Wong, Wong of NVIDIA is speaking at what? At their Vegas user conference. At HP's. HP. And what's Vegas. your reference to 15 minutes? No, there, he will be on stage for 15 minutes. And you think what? Enrique Lourdes. Well, he's, that, this is what you need these days. You have to be able to demonstrate AI. Remember I told you how AI worked. You were speaking to your PC. That's Jensen's, that's Jensen's chip. It's going to be in. So you think there will be a demonstration yes. of some well, you know, kind? Yes, Sadi's going to be there. Every, they're all going to be there. But I just think that you need Jensen Wong. And all, I have to, all you want to do is go back to when the legendary Frank Slootman did interview Jensen Wong at a user conference. It was a blind side of Jensen, actually, to see when he speaks what he can be like and how amazing. Okay. People should watch it. He's amazing. That's why. That's a there's good a heads re- up. There's a reason why NVIDIA is. Jensen Wong, you know, of course, the self-effacing will say yes. his team is good, and they are. But he's incredible. Now, David Duolingo is the star of the day, and that's because uh, the, the lessons here are extraordinary. The number of people who are taking the product. And I've got Hormel on tonight, which is the star of the S&P. Wait, okay, Duolingo, and, yeah, Duolingo is one of the stars of the day. Again, yeah, it's, just it's the, actually right, the numbers came in far good. better. All right, now we're talking about 100 billion lessons, daily average users plus 65%, 26 million people. Uh, Jeff Martin, Semper, delivered the best of the utility quarters that I've seen. And Jim Snee, this is the stock that's up the most this uh, uh, today in the S&P. I think that there's a protein revolution to go along with Melissa Lee's documentary. 
people are not realizing that you need protein with these drugs or else you get frail very quickly yes. if you're taking them when you're Loss over 50. Loss of muscle mass along with the Frailty is the biggest reason why these drugs and so are fail. so for a certain cohort above fail. a certain age where it's harder to build muscle mass, they can become more frail. Yeah. We didn't even mention Oprah off W uh, Weight Watchers. Weight Watchers shares and that's a demonstration I think that's, that diet and exercise have failed America. Well, they haven't failed you. I worked out today at 4 o'clock, and I'm very proud of it. As you should be. Thank you. All right. Well, that does it for another uh, edition of this hour of Squawk on the Street. We'll see Jim Cramer later on Mad Money. You'll see me in the next hour. we got breaking housing data then when we come back, so don't go anywhere. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.